The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. That last song really goes well with my message this morning. Just let us be aware of your presence. And uh, my prayer, and I believe the prayer of, of the praise team, is that we're aware of his presence, not just in our service. Uh, when we sing and pray and uh, lift our voices together, it's real easy to be aware of God's presence in this place. But sometimes when we leave this place and we move out into the uh, place where we work and the people we come in contact with, we it's easy to forget about His presence, that He's with us. And uh, I hope this week and uh, beyond this week we'd be aware of the presence of the Lord that's with us continually. If you would turn to Proverbs chapter 6, uh, if you use your scripture, I hope you do, we have it before you each week, but there's something, if you have a note or something to underline, it's good to have your word with you. Uh, we wouldn't go into battle without a, a sword, and uh, our sword is the word of God, and uh, we need to have that and, and have it to use. I'll tell you this, uh, I really struggled this week with this message, not just this week, last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been thinking about and praying about this, and I think any time we, uh, we come against Satan, there's a struggle there, and I believe that this kind of reveals Satan for who he is, and uh, we're going to talk about some things this morning that uh, kind of goes along with the story about the, the new preacher that, that moved up into a, uh, the Midwestern states, and he was in, around a logging town, and uh, up the uh, up the river, they would they would saw trees and uh, brand the bottom of the tree and roll the trees off in the the river, and they would float down the river to the mill. Well, this pastor observed that some of his members were roping the trees and pulling them over to the bank, sawing the end off the tree and putting their own brand on there, and then sending them on down the river and. So he got up and preached one Sunday, Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's belongings. And uh, he said, Well, that'll, that'll get the message across. And uh, the next week he observed him was still doing this. So uh, he preached the next week on Thou shalt not steal. And he worked up a, a good sermon there. And sure enough, next week uh, he observes the same thing. So the third week he preached, Thou shalt not cut your neighbor's brand off his tree and put your own on there. <laughs> and following that sermon, they asked him to leave and not come back. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, when we hear a message that really puts us under God's lens and causes us to put ourselves under God's lens, sometimes that's not the, the greatest message we want to hear. And, and I'm talking to myself also. I know we like to hear uh, uplifting things. I love to. I love to preach about heaven and about the blessings of God. And, and uh, we like to hear those kind of things. And uh, so often we, we start talking about sin. We, we're not, that's not that popular. I, I told a guy one time that uh, he said, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I said, well, sin, I guess. He said, well, are you for it or getting it? And I said, well... <laughs> That's a good question for us sometimes. What are we, uh, when it comes to sin, I think sometimes we kind of see God as we are. 
that sometimes our sins are really not that bad. And we kind of begin to, to look at sin with indifference. You know, not so with God. We need to understand that. That's not the way well, God looks at sin. Even if we do, even if we say, well, it's just little thing. I don't do anything big. I don't do anything major. I mean, I may have some little sins here and there, but, you know, they're just, they fail in comparison to any, any of these other sins that we hear about. But God never, nearly, never, not nearly never, never looks at sin with indifference. Uh, for God, in, in His eyes, sin is sin. Now, there's greater sins and there's lesser sins, but they're all sins. So you can kind of see why, as I'm preparing this, it, it's kind of tough, you know. It, it's kind of tough to begin to think in those lines and, and think about what the Lord really thinks about uh, sin, and I think sometimes when we hear a message like this, we may think that was kind of negative this morning, but it's really not because we we sing some great songs this morning, and we uh, we we want to be aware that we're in the presence of our Lord and Savior, and we ask the Holy Spirit to be with us and to walk with us and to lead us, and that we want to be closer to Him, and we want to give our all to Him, and we want Him to be exalted in our lives, and we sing those songs, and they're from our heart, and God is pleased with those things, and as we begin to think about those things, I was thinking about this the last few weeks. Actually, after we ended our series on surviving, I thought, you know, what What would we hate to do to God? What would we hate to do? And if we all just sit here and think a minute, I, I think we could say, well, there's, there's probably several things, but I think we can sum it up. We would hate to do things that God hates, wouldn't we? I mean, wouldn't you hate to go through your life and and be doing something, committing some kind of sin that, that God just hates. I mean, we wouldn't want to do anything that our friends hate, or that our parents hate, or that our siblings hate. So how much more would we not want to do something that God hates? And the Lord made us in His image. He gave us all of our body parts. I, I put a title on this this morning, the, God, the body that God gave us. This body, God gave us our bodies. And when he created us, he said, I'm going to create you in my image. There's nothing else created that's in the image of God other than man. Only us, only, only man did God create in his image. And in his creation, he gave us eyes and hands and feet. He gave us a heart. He gave us a soul and a spirit. And, and all of those things that God gave us, they're really powerful. I mean, think about over the years, all the things that have come about because of our minds and because of people's hands and the way they can work and create and, and because of their feet and because of their ears and, and the ability that we've had. And, you know, those are powerful things. And God wants us to use those things which he has given us wisely to serve him. So he created us in his image. He put us on this earth. He said, you're going to be my body church. That's what we are. If you're a born-again Christian, you're a part of the body of Christ. And Christ said, on this earth, you're going to be my body. You're going to be my eyes and my ears and my mouth and my hands and my feet. You're going to be the body of Christ. So as we think about this body that God gave us, he lays aside some things and, and he says, here are some things about your body that really I hate when they're misused. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're probably just going to go about halfway today and we'll finish next week. Don't stay away next week because uh, it's going to be better. But our eyes, our feet, our hands, our tongues, you know what? They're, they declare God's glory as much as the stars in the heaven, as much as the, 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 the lilies in the valley, they, de- they declare God's glory. That's what we do. When we get together and worship, we're, we're declaring God's glory and His praise, and, and we're worshiping Him. We do all this with the body that God gave us. But in, in this chapter where we're fixing to read in Proverbs chapter 6, I think sometimes without understanding, or, or maybe not the understanding without remembering, sometimes we say things, we act loosely without ever thinking about the presence of God. Let us be aware of your presence, God, daily in our life. And as we do those things, by loosely, I mean we act or we speak or we respond in some way that Satan ends up taking it and using it to destroy or distort what God's will is. So the reason I was able to go ahead and get through this is, is because I think when we understand, here are some things that God says about our body and ways that we want to glorify God, we can be aware of here are some things that really when God looks at it, they're detestable to Him. He hates those things in His body, the body of Christ, and in our body, the body which He has given us. So our text in Proverbs chapter 6, we're going down to verse 16. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, and I I would venture to guess most of you here have read this, or at least have heard it. There are six things that the Lord hates. Yea, there are seven that are detestable to Him. Not only six, but seven. And then He gives us a list in verse 17. He starts this list, and here it is in the NIV, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil, and a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brethren. So, as we look at these things, here's a list. You know the thing about making lists? They help us remember, don't they? I mean, if you make a list and, and uh, you, you're going to the grocery store and you've got a list, and the reason you made that list is, hey, I, I want to remember these things. For me, a lot of times, if I make a list, I remember it anyway. I mean, I get to the store and I, I can get all six or seven things because I've written them down and I've made a list. So I think God said, I'm giving you a list here of some things that I hate. Some things that are detestable to me. It's, it reminds me of that, that old man and woman that was there, and, and uh, she said, I need you to go to the grocery store, and I want you to get milk, bread, and eggs. Let me write it down. I don't need you to write it down. I can remember those three items, milk, bread, and eggs. Go to the grocery store and get them. He went to the grocery store, walked in there, just walked around, scratching his head. Thought, I cannot remember why I'm here. I can't remember what I came after. So he went over. He got some cookies. He went on down this aisle. He got some brownie mix. He went on over on this aisle, and he got some chocolate syrup, and he went back home. And his wife said, I knew I should have sent you a list. You forgot the ice cream. (laughs) Uh, That's something about a list, isn't it? It's something to help us remember. So this morning, I want you to take Proverbs chapter 6, 
verse 17, 18, and 19 and say, okay, here's a list of things that God despises in His people. In His body, here are some things that God truly hates. Now, I want to point out a couple of things before we get there. When we say God, we don't use the term hate with that word very often, do we? Because for us to think about a loving God, that He hates some things, that, that's just unpopular. It just doesn't go well together. Because we think of a loving God, and we don't think about God being angry. We don't think about God being, being sick with some of the members of His body. We don't think about God saying, those things are detestable to me. But listen, I want you to see a key point here. It says in His Word, these are things the Lord hates. It doesn't say people, does it? It doesn't say these are the people that God hates. Haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that rush innocent blood. He don't say people. He said, here are some things in the body that I've given you that are detestable to me. So I think it's important for us to remember that those attitudes and those actions and those deeds are the things that God hates. He loves lost people. He loves saved sinners. God loves us and he, he demonstrated His love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He tells us that in Romans. He says, I, I love you and I love the sinners, but I hate these things in the body of, of my children, in the body of, of Christ and in the body which I have given you. Some say this about, well, God has said these things and it's been so long ago and we hear a message like this and, and what does that mean for us? I want you to think about Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord's not slow in keeping His promise, but here's His will for all of us. Instead, He is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's what God's desire is for us. That, that we, we come to a saving knowledge of who He is because He loves us while we were sinners. He died for us and He went to the cross for us that we might have life and we're born again and we're born into the family of God. And when we become a family of God, we become part of the body of Christ. Then He tells us, here are some things that I hate. So, so these list of things here, and here's the hardest part today for me. And I bet the hardest part for you today is going to be this. These things which God hates, we have to learn to hate them within ourselves, not within somebody else. See, it's easy for us to hate things in somebody else. But this morning, for us to say, I hate these things in my body that God has given me. So this morning as we begin to look at these things, and we're going to try to look at four of them if we have time, I want us to think about the things that God hates and are they within our body, within my body. I don't want us to look around and say, yeah, that boy, they needed that. And she really needed that. And on the way home, boy, we so-and-so, they needed to hear that this morning. Forget about all that. And say, okay, I'm going to look at myself. And I'm going to ask myself, God, is there anything, as I'm aware of your presence, in me that is detestable to you? Isn't that a great question? Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that as Satan would stand against the knowledge of you in our hearts. Father, as we become more aware of your presence in our lives not just this morning, but daily as we wake 
as we go out into the world to work, as we go into uh, the places where we find pleasure, as we go on vacations, as we go into coffee shops and restaurants, and that we are constantly in your presence. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never abandon us. And, Father, I pray today that we might look at ourselves through the lens of your eyes, through the direction of your Spirit, that we might find within ourselves things that are pleasing, that are glorifying to you. And, Father, those things which are an abomination before you, that, Father, we might confess those things, that we might turn from those things, that we would be the body that honors you in the world that needs a Savior, that our lights would shine bright and that others would know who you are through our works and through our deeds. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's the first thing that God puts on his list here, and that's misuse of our eyes. Misuse of our eyes. When we begin to look at this, he talks about literally lofty or haughty eyes. He hates that in someone. And, and I was reading that, and I, I think the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is, is some uh, lady, some, you know, I don't know what you call them. We call them dirty legs. I don't know. That may be a bad term. Forgive me if it is. But, you know, some old dirty leg that's got... Uh, painted up eyes and, 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 and looks at men and, and does her eyes, you know, like that. That's the first thing you think about, isn't it? I mean, some haughty eye, some, some winking, flirting eye. But, but it, it means a little bit of that. But let's go, let's go beyond what it really means. That when you really begin to study that, it's talking about unspoken emotions, Haughty eyes, unspoken emotions. Eyes announce all kinds of things, don't they? Eyes announce anger. You know, when you, I, I've told you all this story. I sat in the very back of our church when I was a kid, and we had two little rooms that even sunk deeper than the, the and all the youth would get back there. And my mom's singing the choir. And we kept a choir the whole Sunday morning service. And boy, we'd be playing and living it up back there. And somebody along about the front row, mom would get their attention, and she'd go. And they'd get their attention, they'd get their attention, they'd get their... And finally, some on the back row would go. And I'd look, and they'd go, look at your mother. <laughs> and she would cut them eyes back there and just, you know, and I, and I understood. Because those eyes could, they send a message, don't they? I mean, we can, people's eyes, they tell stories of impatience. You know, you somebody talking to somebody and they roll their eyes. Well, they're telling a story, aren't they? They, they? they tell a story of sarcasm, of guilt, of pride. And when we read this, that's what the psalmist is talking about. He's talking about pride of the eyes. He's talking about those, those eyes that, that, that lead to pride, haughty eyes that are prideful eyes. And I want you to give us some thought. Pride is usually the basic motive for all of our sins. I mean, that's where, that's where sin starts. They start with pride. And if you think about this, God gives us self-worth, God gives us self-esteem, but Satan gives us pride. 
So God, God hates the misuse of the eyes. Think about this. Over in Isaiah, if you want to turn over there, it's the only place I'll have you turn this morning, but in Isaiah chapter 14, do you realize that Lucifer, he was in heaven? You know what? He became Satan. You know why he was cast out of heaven? Because of pride. And if you read that passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 12, this is, this is describing Satan's fall. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, the son of dawn. This is Satan. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Look at the reason why. Verse 13, you said in your heart, I'm going to ascend into the heavens, and I'm going to raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly of the utmost heights of all the sacred mountain, and I will ascend to the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. But you've been brought low to the grave and to the depths of the pit. You see where that started? That started with pride. That started with those haughty eyes of, of you know what, I'm going to make myself even better than God. And because of that, Lucifer was cast out of heaven. He became Satan. You remember back in the Garden of Eden? Where was the sin? How did sin start in the Garden of Eden? Satan looked at Adam and Eve and said, you know what, if you want to be like God, you can be like God. He didn't say really don't eat of this fruit. Tonight we're going to start a a, a 52-week study. Can you all believe that? A whole year on questions, 52 questions that, that every Christian ought to have an answer to. And the, tonight, the first thing we're going to talk about is where Satan says, did God really say you should not eat? See, he looked at Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and, and he said, you can be like God. And because of that pride, they said, hey, we want a part of that. We, we, want, to, we want to be like God. Proverbs eight thirteen says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. But look what he says. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth are things I hate. According to James 4, verse 6, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The pride or or misuse of our eyes literally leads a person to think, you know what, I'm perfect. You know the problem with that? is when we come to that point of our life of saying, you know what, I don't need anything, and I don't particularly need anybody. The problem with that is this, we don't seek God. We don't need God. There's no reason that that we would come to God and that we would humble ourselves before God because of our pride. We don't feel like we need those things. And those, those, that pride is begin within the eyes. Isaiah 2, 11 and 12 says, The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled, and human pride will be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the Almighty God has a day in store for all of the proud and all of the lofty. For all that is exalted, they will be humbled. I read a story during the Battle of the Wilderness in the Civil War. Union General John Sedgwick, I bet you've heard of him, he was inspecting his troops, and at one point he came to the wall, and there was a low place in the wall, and he stopped there and he gazed out over the, over the, the enemy troops out there. And as he was gazing out, his officer suggested, Sir, you might duck when you pass those openings. 
And his reply was this, nonsense. Those guys couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And a few seconds later, he fell to the ground, fatally wounded. That's pride. That's arrogance of saying nonsense. I've raised myself to where I don't, I don't need to worry about those things. How silly was that? But for us, we do those things in our lives. Proverbs sixteen eighteen gives us a promise that pride comes before the fall or before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. I got one example, and we're going to move on past this. Second Chronicles 16.8, Uzziah is the king. And King Uzziah got his blessing. And as God begins to bless him, his kingdom begins to grow. And his kingdom grows, and the people around him, he's getting more and more followers, and, and his cities are growing, and they're more fortified, and, and, and everything is going great. And he moved to that point of his life of this, of this big prideful king, Uzziah. He, he has his thumbs in his, in his arms and he's saying, look at all that I've done and look at all that I've accomplished. And with that, he begins to go into the temple and he begins to make sacrifices. Now in the Old Testament, there were priests set up for that. So he goes around the priest, he goes around God's plan, and he says, you know what, I'm just going to go in and do these things myself. Look, 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says, but after he became powerful, this is King Uzziah, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. As as Zachah said to the priest, with 80 other courageous priests... Of the Lord, they followed him in. And they confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, for that is the priest's duty. And the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated, that means they've been set aside to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful. And now you will not be honored by the Lord. If you go and read that story of King Uzziah, that's exactly what happened. See, he exalted himself to the point that he said, I don't need anybody. Matter of fact, I don't need the priest. Matter of fact, I don't need the law. I don't need the scriptures. I'm just going to go right in here. Now, today, the good thing is we have direct access to God. You don't have to go through anyone. This is the old law, the old testament, the old covenant. God had that plan, and he dishonored God by disobeying God's word. And because of his pride, there came a fall. Number two, don't worry, we're not going to do four. We're going to do two this morning. Here's the next thing. God God despises the misuse of the tongue. The misuse of the tongue. He, he, that's the second thing he has listed there on his list. The, uh, there's a book called The Day America Told the Truth. Listen to this. It's reported that 91%, these are people that were surveyed, 91% of those people surveyed lied routinely about what they considered trivial things. 91%, that's a lot. What I was going to do is count up. We've probably got 120 or 30 people here. I don't know the percentage of that. That means, what, if there's 130, 13 people? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Starting about Kendra. Sorry, y'all got in a line group over there. And everybody behind Kendra and everybody on this side. 
routinely lie. That's according to the survey. Now, I'm saying that's true in this church. I'm saying according to the survey. About 36% of people lie about important matters. 86% of people lied regularly, children, to their parents. Have y'all seen that? Did y'all say a little deal on, uh, I think, come up Facebook, if so much junk comes across there, but that little boy... He comes walking in there to his mama, and he's got those candy sprinkles all the way around his mouth, stuck to his mouth. <laughs> and she said, have you been in the sprinkles? And he goes. <laughs> she said, Did, you didn't eat none of the sprinkles? He said, no. <laughs> and she said, what's on your mouth? And he just went, I don't know. <laughs> 86% lie regularly. 75% lie regularly to their friends and to their siblings and 69% lie to their spouses regularly. I probably not here, you know, but but 69% that's a big that's a big percentage, isn't it? He he surveyed these people and and they they lie regularly. So I was thinking about that. How often do we do we sometimes just we just say untruths so and we don't even think about it? The presence of the Lord is with us constantly. And we need to think about what we say and how we use words because God hates that in His body. God hates that in His creation. And maybe we think just stretching the truth a little bit is okay or, or maybe twisting something around just a little bit because it fits us a little better. God's Spirit sees that and, and He says, that's detestable to me when you do that as my child. On a, on a spring day for students, it was a beautiful day, and they decided to go take a ride instead of going to school. And so they rode around, and they arrived really late, and they told the teacher, we had a flat tire. We, we, just, uh, we were out, and, and we're sorry we're late, but we had a flat tire. And the teacher said, okay, I'll buy that. Uh, y'all missed a quiz this morning, so I want you to go ahead and come in, and, and I want the four of you to sit in four different corners of the room, and I don't want y'all to be uh, talking to one another, and I want to pass this quiz out, and y'all take this quiz, and everything will be fine. They said, no problem. She handed out a blank sheet of paper to all four of them. She said, this is the quiz. Which tire was flat? Would y'all ever thought of planning that out that good? <laughs> I wouldn't have. I was thinking, you know, boy, I would be looking over there going, right front, right front, right front, right front, you know. <laughs> but that's how easy we lie sometimes. We don't even think about the consequences. We don't even think that, hey, they're not buying that. I said it. They're going to believe it. God says, I hate that in my people. You know what? When we think about being the nature of God, don't that, isn't that where we want to be as Christians? We want to we have the very nature of God. But Satan has the nature of lying. Listen to what Scripture says, John eight forty four. These are strong words. They're not from me. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not hold to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he's a father of lies. That's the nature of Satan. That's not just in John. Throughout Scripture, God describes Satan as a father of lies. What does that mean? When we lie, who's the father of that lie? When we lie, who's the father of that lie? When we lie, who's the father of that lie? 
Satan is. We got a few people that believe that. The rest are going, not me, brother. It's not me. I mean, I I tell some little ones, but that ain't got nothing to do with Satan. Satan's the father of those lies. Believe it because the Bible says it. And we need to believe that, that, that we take on that nature of Satan. Boy, that's horrible, isn't it? See why I struggled with this this week? See why I just thought, man, I just, I hate to go there. Because you know what the truth is? I stretch the truth sometimes too. I don't always say this is, a, this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I realize now that when I do those things that God truly hates those things. I want you to listen to the other side of the coin here and we think about the nature of God. 1 John 5, 6. This is the one, Jesus Christ, who came by the Spirit, by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not only come by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because His Spirit is the Spirit of truth. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. And all his ways are just. He's a God of truth without injustice, righteous and upright. Proverbs twelve twenty two: Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly, truthfully are his delight. David prayed in Psalms 120, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. You know what? We need to be on guard to those and be on guard of ourselves who has a tendency to play loosely with the truth. We need to be on guard about that. A couple of reasons, and we're going to close. I'm out of time. Not all lies are big lies, big bold lies. Some are half true. Some can be exaggerations. But you know what? Lies destroy things. They devastate people. They, they devastate hopes and they devastate dreams. And folks, when we begin to tell those little lies, we open the door for Satan. And we talked last week about giving Satan that toehold, that foothold. And, and he, he has a little foothold during those times when we decide not to be truthful. Whatever benefit we get from lying, whatever benefit that's retained by lying, it's quickly over. And then we've opened the door for destruction to begin, just in those little words. If we have a tendency to lie, you automatically assume that everyone else lies. Isn't that true? You know, if you just have a tendency to lie, when somebody tells you something, what's your thought? They're lying. (laughs) I know they're lying to me. Because why? Because we're turned that way. If we have a tendency toward the truth, we have more confidence in other people. We have more confidence that, that they're truthful also. Also, the last thing where I want to close is this. Don't forget that once that lie is discovered, what happens? You know this, don't you? Once that lie is discovered, you, you lose a little bit of your reputation. You, you forfeit a little bit of your integrity because that's been exposed. And what has happens at that point? There's Satan. He begins to work and he begins to chip away at that relationship, at that integrity, and things come apart Just the tip of the iceberg. God gives us a list of seven things that we need to resist as his children. I want to ask if you would bow your heads with me this morning. And I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for you. I have a little saying that's 
stuck right there on my bookcase in my office. It says this, the hardest person to put under the correction of God's Word is yourself. The hardest person to put under the correction of God's Word is yourself. Father, I pray this morning as we hear from you, your Word and your truths, Father, I pray that that we'd be careful about those haughty eyes and the misuse of our eyes and that pride that can swell up with inside us and how that can destroy others, Father, how that can even pull us away from you and realizing that we need you. And, Father, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Father, I pray that just through the foolishness of what I had to say today, Father, that we would find in our heart any areas of pride that need to be purged out. Father, that we might truly use the body that you've given us to glorify you. Father, I pray this week, and then starting even today, Lord, that, that there would be no misuse of our tongues. Lord, there's so many things you have to say about that in Scripture, Lord, and in gossip and different things. But, Father, the thing that you detest most is the lying tongue. Lord, I pray this week as we have opportunities to over-exaggerate or to stretch that truth just a little bit or, or just to bold-faced lie, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would rekindle your words in our heart, not the words of me, not the words of Jake, but the words that your Spirit have ordained and placed within our heart. Father, why would we do this, Lord? I pray that we would do this, that we might truly honor you with our bodies. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Lord, most of all, I thank you that you forgive us. You don't leave us or abandon us. Even when we've angered you, you tell us if we confess that you're faithful and just to forgive us and bring a cleansing to us. I thank you for that love that you have. I thank you for your cleansing. And, Father, I pray now that as we go from this place, we, me and we, would not simply be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves, but we would be doers. And, Father, I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.